0: Hey! Hey, I'm so glad that you made the time to come back. Well, why don't you go grab your drink and pull up a seat again? Wow, so last time we chatted, and it was, it was pretty brief. And I have to admit, I was so eager that we jumped right into it, and I didn't even introduce myself. Which is typical. Uh, <laughs> and, well, my name is Mark, but let's get to that a little bit more at the end of this episode. More importantly we started to discuss a question. What does it mean to know? And I pointed out uh, a question like this is important because how we attend to something shapes what we find and that shapes us. So to begin to explore this question, I offered this metaphor. When we explore knowing as a form of companionship, it restores care as its core. To begin to explore this metaphor, we visited two challenges that face us today. We experienced an icy, detached approach to knowing and found that it's better to engage knowing it's you who's engaging than pretending to be removed by sitting so far off, because even the icy distance is a companion who shapes us. We also experienced the danger of when knowing only one thing becomes, well, domineering, warping how we experience everything, creating a tunneled existence that distorts everything else that we're trying to know. So we left off there, a brief introduction And then something wonderful happened. Since you and I last sat here, you sent along many questions, about five pages of them. And they were fantastic to read through. And now these questions that you sent have created today's conversation. And really, that's why it's better that you and I talk and engage each other. It makes for a much better experience. So keep those questions coming. It's also a good chance to set your expectations. I don't have a planned linear argument here. We're walking through this together. And each question that you ask shapes the places that we visit. And each place that we visit draws out a little bit more of the depths of this metaphor, knowing its companionship with care at its core. Right, yes, so back to your questions. There were many of them, but I'd like to start by taking one that came up most often. When you say knowing is like companionship, can you be more clear and precise, or a little bit more concise with what you're trying to say? It felt abstract. Please make it more practical. And that's really a wonderful push, and I'm gonna try and make an attempt here. Um, So this set of questions sets the steps for today's conversation, and we'll experience it really in three movements. We'll spend the first few minutes trying to parse out a little bit of this metaphor but we're not gonna spend too much time there. What I'd like to do is let this metaphor out of its cage and take a little trip to Certainty's taxidermy where we'll explore this metaphor even more. And then at the end, um, I'd like to take a little bit of time to introduce myself and also take time to draw out some practical examples and considerations that this metaphor exposes. Examples from my life and from my work. So let's start there. When I say knowing is a kind of companionship, I'm obviously using a metaphor instead of a concise definition. And explaining a metaphor is a bit like explaining a joke. You end up killing it. So I'm taking a risk here to explain some of it, but I'm going to keep it brief. I don't want to pin it down. Instead, again, I'd rather let the metaphor out of its cage and see where it takes us. So what can we say? Well, I guess we could say every metaphor every metaphor works by casting light on something, right? It pulls certain things towards us, brings them at hand, right? So that we can attend to them. But that does leave other things in the background and does blind us to what we don't expect to see. So there, you can start to see that metaphor explores depth, but also has limits. And the aim of a metaphor is to expose something about reality that we might miss. You might say that metaphor helps us exhibit care towards something literally. Remember the, the meaning of the word accurate. And so if, if you force them to be something that they're not, pin them down and demand them to be precise, we miss their intent. Let's try and be as clear as we can with this metaphor. What does knowing as companionship help us explore? I, I think rather a lot, but let's keep it to the realm of your question around clarity. Knowing as companionship doesn't aim at precision Instead, it intentionally reintroduces a little bit of ambiguity. And that's necessary for us. See, I believe knowing in our day has become, well, too limited, obsessed with being precise and concise. And when you look at where those words come from, they literally mean to chop off, cut up, rip apart, and slay. I think that says a lot. So if we force precision on knowing... It can become something dead, something we've cut up and and apprehended, which, yes, that makes it usable, but we also lose something. So by not being precise, am I being intentionally abstract? And if you remember, that's the exact charge I laid against what objectivity inevitably does at that cold distance. But I'd like to say that there's a distinction between abstract and ambiguous. Abstraction removes you from life. It sets it out of reach. Literally, it means to detach and drag away. But ambiguity ambiguity brings us closer to reality's embrace. It means to move, to act, to be alive and changeable. By using this metaphor I want to show you there's a rigor to ambiguity one that brings you closer to reality's embrace, one that confronts you more rigorously and this metaphor restores knowing as animate literally it, it has a life and breath again compared to concise or precise to cut up or slay or abstract drawing all meaning away. So what am I saying again by intentionally introducing ambiguity? Well, I don't mean that things aren't knowable. It draws out that through time and relationship, we experience a form of stability, a form of validity and reliability, but rarely ever certainty. Ambiguity demands our company, inviting us to take better care and to be more accurate. Alright, so I know we might find it annoying that I have remarkably little interest in working out clearly defined terms, neatly whittling knowing down to a concise sentence. But again, I, I have my reason. Using metaphor, we're going to encounter a more honest presence than objectivity and certainty can portray. So there, um, we have some clarity. This is a metaphor. It introduces ambiguity, but intentionally, because it brings us face to face with reality in a way that a concise definition can't. And why does that matter? that's a good question. Well, when we force certainty and impatiently demand precision, we slay reality. We pin down knowing, and that's a big problem, because it makes us rather poor companions. Companions who can't entertain ambiguity, which is most of life, and we lose the ability of discernment, and I think we become less accurate as we become ever more impatient and demand from life what it rarely offers. In aiming to be precise, we rather miss the point of life. I want you to be confronted by the world in which we find ourselves, to bring you into a more honest presence and not a shallow representation. We're going to experience a reality which is not apprehended by means of objective and comprehensive terms, but comprehended through companionship. And so we're going to encounter a different presence, won't we? One that will confront us more rigorously and so demand more from us. One who cares for us and wants to prepare us for a wise life. One which sets aside the safety of certainty and lays down the lust for control. To instead enjoy the company of someone greater than us, who can surprise us. One who wants to greet us, and one who actually cares towards us. But... If we make a habit of misrepresenting reality through a static form of knowing, we lose touch with reality. We stop seeing it for what it is, and I think we find ourselves unable to converse with the world around us. We become more paralyzed as we desire ever more precision. And through this precision, we end up cutting ourselves off from life, growing increasingly estranged from the world around us, and I think from each other as well. All right. I might have already killed this metaphor. Uh, So let's stop there. And instead of me sitting here probably boring you defending it, let's let this metaphor out of its cage and allow our imaginations to explore. I'd like to take you on a little trip to visit Certainty's Taxidermy. Walks are always a great way to start to explore something. Well, I think I was saying, if we're always demanding certainty, demanding everything to be explicit, always precise and concise, we turn certainty into a brute who cleaves off much of life. Ah, here we are. Certainty's taxidermy.
1: Hello, in the back.
0: Take a look around. He's apprehended a lot over the years. See all the, the things he has pinned down over here and measured? framed and hung on the wall, stuffed and posed for us to admire. It seems very neat and curated. It has its allure. But I'm afraid the butcher room is rather a mess and much of life is left cleaved to the floor. You can come back tomorrow with absolute confidence that these things will still be here in the exact way that they were year over year, a confidence in an unchanging absolute And yet, their company won't surprise or threaten you. Once alive to admire and fear, now they're rather just something to jeer at. Certainty can stuff them and pose them, practicing his craft of control, dissect them and sell them part by part. But if you think these representations are true to life, the only thing you're going to find is that you're certainly mistaken and sold a false representation. And certainty won't be there for you when you've realized you've been tricked you'll find that he flees, leaving you abandoned and alone in the mess. Yeah, if if we constantly demand our knowing to always be precise, you lose your ability to discern most of life. You lose your appetite for the company of ambiguity and come to despise her as certainty has. Certainty cuts life off, chopping it, slaying it, making it static and dead. Ambiguity? Well, ambiguity is an animating spirit whose who teaches us humility and care. Ah, ah! look here. See this bird, stuffed and set in a cage. Typical. Well, you can read a lot and find a lot out from this plaque here. Let's see here. Uh, 2.75 inches high, weighs 1.4 ounces. Um, about 10.12 inch wingspan. Hmm, A blue, black, yellow with a white stomach. Mates for life, average lifespan, oh, about seven years. Satisfied? Hey, why don't we do this? Let's buy it and take it with us. I want to show you something. I need him quickly. No, money's no concern. Cleaver mm-hmm. it, separated, yes. stuff it, stuff it. No, not a problem. And I'll be back here to pick it up tomorrow. Oh, who's In that? Russia, you see, That's certainty's best customer. Less than certainty. not a problem. Looks like he's caught another thing. A thing to be clarified. I'd like to offer another way. Why don't we release it and study it, participate with it in its real life? The the only way you're going to know this, the only way you're going to be able to fathom it is to embrace it. And the only way to do that is to let it go out of Mm. your
1: control. I see you've brought another one in with you. No doubt stuffing their head with nonsense always sounds wishy-washy to me. Never short this one on sentimentality. No, no, far too messy, far too time-consuming. Let it go. How would you ever know it? Yes. Better to butcher it and to stuff it. Easier to study it and keep it.
0: What's the point in having something if it's an inconvenience? What's the point if if you don't know what you can use it for? What purpose does it have? Is there any value you can extract? Does it have any worth? Will you be able to manipulate it and use it for your own gain? These are
1: the questions. Otherwise, what's the point of it? Bunch of stuff to be used anyways. And look, how would you clarify that messy bit there? Better to cleaver it off so you can have it nice and clean. Better to have it completely defined so you can box it up. Fits better on a shelf that way. Yes, cut off the pieces that don't make sense. Better to have certainty and clarity than, ugh, ambiguity. Better to have assurance, absolute, absolute confidence. confidence, safe and secure. Uh, yeah, it has its allure. Slice, slice it, it and, and dice it, clip it, clip it and, and chop it, chop box, it, it, and chop it. it. Box, box it and, it and, ship, and ship it, it and, and all, all for, for profit. profit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute and enduring. And positively positively reassuring. reassuring. Oh my goodness, well, this is becoming rather annoying. Ah, well, look. Are you buying that fine specimen there? Finally coming around, are you? Well, let's see. That'll be 1685, please. <coughs> Leaving already? Well, we'll see you again soon.
0: Oh goodness, well good thing we left before they broke into song. Well, What's that? Yeah, yeah you might find my behavior a bit paradoxical. Why did I go to Certainty's taxidermy in the first place? Well, you do need to visit Certainty from time to time. But if you only keep his company, the very subject you're trying to study you'll find has died, it's chopped up and slain, gone. It's now another thing contorted by the thrusts of Certainty's blows. But if you, if you and I are firmly aware that knowing is a form of companionship, we can venture safely into what the taxidermist can show us. Which is helpful, and it does contribute to, to apprehending something, but, but rarely comprehending it. And we know we can't linger too long in his company. Let's see. Let's take this specimen that we purchased here, and let's take it back to the wild. We can't allow it just to sit there in that dead place. We have to take it back to life. Look here, see this? This cage? What we have here in this cage, it's only a shadow of what it was. Here, still and stuffed, it seems certain. But uncaged, you'll find it alive and more ambiguous, more wondrous. Certainty, precision, apprehension, surely. You're right, we imagine a more useful state of affairs, and much more common, isn't it? I believe that's a mistake. Rather, I think ambiguity is the norm, and certainty, precision, the special case, achieved by cleaving off and disregarding almost all of the vast reality that surrounds whatever it is that we're for the moment greeting. We can thrust certainty on knowing, but it can become one enormous deception, In fact, you'll find certainty becomes your own cage, shutting us off from the experience of new realities and disclosures, fighting against reality's embrace. And, after a while, peer pressured by the persistent presence of precision, we become co-conspirators instead of co-creators, culprits instead of creatives. Now... As I said, certainty is good in small measure, but consider him more of a distant relative to invite on special occasions. Otherwise, he's going to lure you in with his confidence, and that has consequence. You become like the company you keep. If we force certainty, we can create a false reality. And then worse, we can represent it to others, only deceiving them and ourselves. And if they act upon this as fact, they become surprised to find something altogether different. When we overdefine, we cleaver distinctions into false separation. We claim they are apart and have no interaction. We become more and more obsessed with measuring, more and more paralyzed by precision, more and more apprehending, while less and less understanding. Precision becomes an addiction. Yes, we'll find that our response is our greatest responsibility in the company of all things. I know. Certainty does believe he's the rigorous one with all his chopping and separating and measuring. But ambiguity, she has her own rigor. One which allows a form of knowing much truer to life. And and yes, again, reality does run with a reliability, but never mistake that for certainty. Between those two is a world of difference. Yes, become acquainted with ambiguity. She will teach you humility and wonder, caution us that knowing is mostly never certain, and with it, she brings an appetite for delight and surprise. But in the constant company of certainty, you lose the patience for her presence and lose contact with much of reality. No, (laughs) you're right. Certainty can't stand the company of ambiguity. Although ambiguity can welcome certainty from time to time when the occasion's right. Well, you're right. Who doesn't prefer the confidence of certainty to the unease of ambiguity? But the more we force certainty, the less we find ourselves face to face with reality, until gradually, then suddenly, what we think was true and stable around us breaks down, and we mistake validity and consistency with certainty, and how slightly this alienation silently creeps until its grasp is one day complete. Yes, Self-deception is the means by which we do the very worst things. Deny ambiguity, and you habitually become out of touch with reality. You end up making life miserable for yourself and all around you. But welcome ambiguity, and in her company, we learn to see reality for who it is, so we can walk wisely with it. Through her rigor, you can learn how to enjoy the presence of all things, and in the right way. Ah, I think this is the perfect spot. See, to be good company, we have to practice good manners, to be present still and listen. But when we impatiently demand precision, we scare away reality with our impatient gripping. Mm. No, see, knowing must allow the subject time to disclose itself. And in time, the subject will reveal to you how to be in its company. To do that, we have to foster a character of patience and quiet, Discern when to invite with questions, and when to simply walk in its silent presence. When to observe, and when to engage. These are all the real skills you have to learn. Skills which ambiguity will teach you, but ones which certainty will dull you. How? Well, it requires the most basic things, really. Uh, To be present, to go out and sit, to stand, and to walk in its company. You'll find, as you set out to explore, to discover that the very mystery you seek was already on its way to you, to embrace you. Now, look at this caged bird back in its setting. Wait. Listen. Oh, wow. Are you amazed? Wow, oh, the terror companionship can sometimes bring things back from death. So rarely remove all the wounds. Go ahead, open it. I know, it seems like we've let understanding go, but, but here, walk, follow. If you'd only known this bird stuffed with glazed eyes, you'd never wonder as she flies. To know her only caged was to grasp only lies. Here, pause here for a moment, and hold out your hand, I have some seed. Patience. Here, I wonder... I know, it's wonderful to observe, but at times, at times it's richer to respond and to engage. See, as we give time to encounter, we'll find reality ready to sing and respond. And in its response, we, we create together. Hmm. Patience, uncertainty... What's that? Oh, some words that just came to me. I, I'm trying to write them down here. It's, it's something like, impatience kills uncertainty forced is a brute, but knowing gives space to disclose, often finding life finally robed in ambiguity. Yes, it, it, it does take more work, ambiguity's rigor, but through it, you'll find this rigor introduces you to reality, and in company, we'll learn how to comprehend and be less worried about apprehending. And no, you're right, we won't control it. And it, it might feel like we're losing it more than getting it, but, but you never really fully grasp anything. In fact, the more you control it, the less you have it. Hmm. Now, there's nothing more foolish than thinking you have life under control when it's anything but controllable. We're so often nowadays in too much of a rush to enjoy ambiguity's company. But what's better, to truly enjoy the company of even a few close companions or to be surrounded by a myriad of stuffed phantoms, misrepresentations who you've never truly known. In the end, I think, you'll find yourself alone. Besides, MPUG is much more adventurous and full of life. It demands us to go out to travel and experience constantly and to be in company. But as a good companion of mine has warned, those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Knowing in this way, in company, it gives us what we long. To know and be known is where we belong. Well, I hope that gave some clarity to your question about what I mean by knowing as companionship and and how ambiguity brings us closer to reality than certainty often does. So have you ever experienced when certainty forced becomes a brute? Yeah, so knowing his companionship restores a care to all things to disclose themselves, to make them clear and no clearer, only what they allow. And that, in fact, is more accurate. And you might say that ampuity teaches us good manners, to be better company. She protects us and and keeps us closer to reality. And that's rather important, because the more we lose touch with reality, the closer we are to calamity. The triplets of desolation, disintegration, and isolation. But I think that's a conversation for another time. Okay, so uh, one last question and a bit briefer here. A few of you did ask, uh, Seriously, who are you? (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I know we did leave very quickly last time and uh, I didn't properly introduce myself. My name is Mark Allen Pretty. I'm a husband and a dad, and my background is what some call consilience. It sounds fancy, but it's really just about bringing multiple disciplines together to see what they reveal as they converse with one another. So for me, I've spent my time studying design, resilience science, illustration, and cultural studies. And what have I done with all of that? (laughs) Well, uh, for a vocation, I'm a strategist, so I'm often in the world of business. Actually, when I started being in company, it was originally titled The Business of Knowing. But as I explored this, I realized business was rather too small to be the context and was rather more a character shaped by the wide world of knowing. And so today, you might have met a version of business. Admittedly, a little bit more of a caricature than a character. But today, in my experience, it's all too often the case. As business today constantly craves for certainty, It's rather lost its appetite for ambiguity and seems more and more removed from reality. But I really think that there's always hope. Better company always heals. Better companions like you can remind business to care. And you know, I did find it insightful that business is from the same root as busyness, an anxious state of human activity. And when I looked into it a little bit more, company has its roots from "compagno" to break bread with, to have a meal with. So isn't it interesting that we've chosen the term business to describe much of what we do instead of company? And then we seem rather shocked that we're mostly in the company of a restless anxiousness. And so it's from these thoughts that this podcast started to emerge. What if we restored that spirit, that spirit of company? And so I sat down and I started to write a book and found that that wasn't quite right, or rather that I, I just couldn't write. So what you're doing is you're experiencing live with me, working out my thoughts with words, uh, with song, with sounds and setting, with brushes and pens and conversations with you and company. And each week I get a little bit of a glimpse of this adventure that we're on in the everyday ordinariness of my life, emerging as I experience some very odd things. And you know what? That brings me back to your questions around practicality. I had a most fascinating and disturbing experience recently, which brought to mind, as I was thinking about your question, how certainty can become a brute, rather like a butcher. So there I was in a four-hour workshop, one of probably hundreds at this point. Everyone gathered around with a high level of energy, confident they could pin down exactly what creativity was. They wanted to define it so that they could package it And solve the problem once and for all. 10 steps to ensure we could always deliver creativity on demand. It started with a series of rather odd questions. When we were creating, when was something, an idea, and when did it become a concept? At what point exactly? Was it here or here? They drew timelines with points and dots and charts and models, and by the end, with a brutish force of certainty, all that remained was a tired group of people who thought they had finally apprehended creativity, clarified it once and for all, and in a tidy 90-page document. And all the while, the remains of creativity lay strewn across the floor, everything that makes creativity what it is was chopped off for the sake of precision. I have to admit, I was in shock for at least a day. I I think I even experienced mourning. And what I realized at the end of that workshop, what I saw staring back at me was rather a deformity, not a true glimpse of reality. See, the creativity I know, she isn't someone you can force into your company, though you can foster a disposition that invites her. She's easily noticed by those who love her and found by those who seek her. She presents herself to those who desire her but rather shows up unannounced. She bumps into you while you're at the shop and and she certainly doesn't keep your schedule and is not fond of watches and clocks. And I've learned over the years to be ready in those brief moments that creativity crosses my path to capture her glimpse. I fumble to capture the whole, never focusing too quickly on any part. It's rather like practicing gesture drawing in art. And if you're truly open, she'll tell you how to take her portrait, sometimes with prose and pen or paint and brush, melody or notes, but don't come to her with your tools and demand she keeps your time. Open yourself and she'll disclose to you the proper tools to capture her portrait and only to the degree of certainty that she allows. And so here we can start to glimpse a little bit more practicality Instead of sitting in a four-hour workshop, nailing down what exactly creativity is, why not go out and experience for yourself what creativity is? What if we sent people out and allowed them to be creative? Think about how much opportunity we have as more and more of us work remote. We're surrounded by a variety of places if only we would spend the time to look. Spend the time to be immersed in the contexts that are around us, whatever business you are in. Have you ever spent time sitting in the contexts that you spend so much time thinking about? How much time do you spend at home behind a screen and removed from the very world you're trying to understand, from the very people that you're trying to serve? Wouldn't it be better to spend time in their company sit down and have a meal to enjoy a day with them to go and walk about and enjoy the life that they enjoy. Let's say you're trying to understand something like wealth. After you've spent time with these individuals, Go back and see how wealth has shaped different cultures, and linger over multiple accounts, and don't be afraid to allow for ambiguity. Find sources that intentionally contradict. Don't be afraid of those variations. Instead, understand them deeply, and then, as you look at the differences between them, ask a great and simple question. How do these differences make a difference? Linger over it and speak about it with others. Allow it to disclose itself and enjoy how each context informed how they experienced it. This is what it means to allow for ambiguity, to give space to linger in different contexts. And slowly, you'll start to hone your ability to be in conversation, to be in company. As you do that, and you linger, and you walk, and you think, and you listen to music, and enjoy a coffee or your favorite drink, you might just find you bump right into creativity. Or rather, she will bump into you. And when you're in those moments, do everything you can to capture that glimpse. And remember, allow her to tell you the best way to capture her portrait. So as we make space for this to allow creativity to live, in this example, you'll experience an existence in the world where knowledge is a relationship of care. You'll become versed with the tension of being wooed through seeking and being sought through having to wait for and, at times, anticipating a revealing. Then, as you practice being in company, you can invite others to join you, together capturing glimpses, sharing them, and growing in wisdom, learning how to be in touch with reality, finding that decisions begin to flow in relationship and harmony. Or not. And like me, you can spend hundreds of hours in meetings where people gather to nail something down, clarify it in order to apprehend it, and then... We find it becomes static, slain, and staged. And then we wonder as we go to share it, we're stunned. Why doesn't this engage? Millions of dollars invested, entire departments spending most of their time forcing certainty, investing their time into precision and and paralyzing every decision locked inside of certainty's taxidermy. We gradually lose touch with reality and make heavy investments that often fail to greet it. Frustrated, we double down, thinking that the answer is more certainty. And we enforce it with ever more brutality. Soon, we refuse any variability. We demand every step be followed precisely. We become objectified. Just machines carrying out the codified. But then we have to ask, are we still alive? Remember, how we attend shapes what we find. And that shapes us. Demand precision, and you cut life up and slay it. Keep its company too long and we come pinned down ourselves. Being in the constant company of certainty and precision cleaves us, cutting us up, separating us, and soon we're surrounded by so many parts and false separations that we can no longer remember the whole, unable to function and live. Pinned down by precision, we've analyzed ourselves to death, no longer allowing for intuition or imagination. So what's the alternative as we're thinking and getting more practical here? Well, I think exactly what we're doing right now That's very much part of my proposal, being in company with each other. If you and I can attend to knowing as companionship, we can restore care as its core, care towards what we're trying to know, and care towards one another. We'll find this much less draining and more life-giving, and much, much more accurate. We'll also become better conversationalists with one another and reality. By practicing knowing in company, we can find comprehension, which literally means to bring together. So look around, and what are you seeing? Do you feel ever more separated, ever more pinned down and paralyzed by precision? Is most of your time spent dicing and slicing? Are you finding reality harder and harder to understand and more and more alienating? What if you took that time you spend forcing precision and instead redirected it to the practice of being in company, learning discernment on the edge of the wild learning ambiguity's rigor. And yes, it's more messy and does take more time. But you'll be wiser and more creative, more able to converse with life and with one another. And it's rather simple, isn't it? Go out, spend time looking, seek, and you will find. And as you go, you'll find yourself in the company of fellow travelers. Travelers to create with, to imagine with, to care with, to heal. And I think it will restore something we've all been longing for. To know and be known is the one thing we long, and there's no other beauty as being where we belong. This is being in company. Well, hopefully this was one example to make it a little bit more practical. And if not, say so, and we'll keep coming together and I'll do what I can to make this more and more practical and enjoyable. Well, as we're wrapping up, I really want to thank you for those who left comments and ratings. I've now opened the podcast to more platforms, so please keep on sharing and leave your comments and ratings if you have the time. And also, if you've got a few questions from today's episode, send them my way. Again, you can find me on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes. The more questions you send, the better this experience will be. Well, until next time, take care and thank you for your company.